Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media. It's the show that challenges reality, questions at which you've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change, making the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. And that's exactly what we aim to do on this episode of The Secret Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II. I'm going to get real personal tonight. I've been sharing a lot of my journey, things I've been going on uh, in my life, in my own psyche, spiritually, personally, emotionally. I want to talk about something that's a little bit difficult for me, but uh, I think it's important for all of you to hear it, because as we go through this journey of truth and understanding and trying to expand our consciousness and awareness, I think the most important question we need to ask ourselves is, who are we? That's a complex question. We could simply sit there and say, I'm Dennis Nappy II. I'm a father. I'm a parent. I'm a real estate agent. I'm a podcast host. I'm an author. But does that describe who we are, who I am? The answer to that is no. It's a complex question that requires, I'm sorry, it's a simple question that requires a complex answer. I've yet to find an answer exactly understanding who I am and who we are as a person, as a human being, as a conscious entity existing within this universe, matrix reality. I'm going to try to share some of that journey with you this evening. Uh, and my journey with, uh, with CBD oil, I put a post up, I wrote an article this week, and it's gotten a ton of attention talking about my experience with CBD uh, and, and what I'm going to call plant intelligence and how it has opened me up to a whole lot and, and given me some freedom that I haven't tasted in, in a long time. So I want to share my journey with that. You know, I've been sitting here, it's Friday evening, January 11th, it's 10.30 p.m. I've been sitting here since 8 o'clock trying to come up with, trying to, to put this show together, and I've just had, I, I never get quote, writer's block this bad. And I think it's just because I have to talk about this a little bit more about what I've been going through. I, I feel that I'm on a journey and my journey is connected to this show. Um, I think my experiences are important to share. Not in an ego sense. I, I just, I started something and I need to be thorough with it. Um, so I'm going to share some of my experience um, in, a, in a little bit with this show, kind of the changes I've been going through. I know those of you who have been with me for a while. I appreciate you tuning in each week. But I have some interesting stories in the news that I'd like to get to first, and this first one kind of ties in. Uh, and I think it's quite interesting. This article is from CNN, titled, Denver Could Become the First U.S. City to Decriminalize Magic Mushrooms. The Mile High City might be getting a whole lot higher. An advocacy group has collected nearly 9,500 signatures to get a measure on the ballot in May that would decriminalize psychedelic mushrooms in Denver. On Monday, petitions were submitted to the city and county of Denver's elections divisions for the measure to appear on the upcoming ballot, and the division has 25 days to review. While well, the Denver Elections Division has yet to verify the signatures, 
The issue is sure to sprout some debate. We want people kept out of prison, families kept together, said Kevin Matthews, the campaign director of Decriminalized Denver. That was the main motivation for this. Uh, under federal law, psychedelic mushrooms are classified as a Schedule One drug, the same as heroin LSD. This means that they have uh, no currently accepted medical use and a high potential for abuse. Denver Police Department did not immediately respond to a request for comment. I'm going to share this in the show notes uh, in the secret newsletter and at sixcentsmedia.net for you to check out. But again, uh, they have currently no acceptable, acceptable medical use and high potential for abuse. Now, we are seeing, I've been tracking some of the research on these, they do now currently have some medical uh, accepted use in treating things like depression and post-traumatic stress and helping people facing cancer and terminal illnesses deal with those terminal illnesses and find a sense of peace. It's a crime that these uh, quote drugs, this plant medicine has been made criminal. And I, I think that those of us that have studied this understand the real reason why is because it opens us up. It heals us. It helps us shed our, uh, some of the emotional baggage that we're carrying around with us. And it helps us cope. It helps us understand this reality. And it's a, in some cases, it sounds like, according to Terrence McKenna, it's a communication mechanism with another intelligence out there that can teach us things as opposed to just sitting in front of our TV every night watching the mindless stuff that they dump into our brains. I'm a little frustrated with that right now. I'm a little bit emotional. I don't know what's going to happen with this show. I'll come back to this, my friends, as I get back into my experiences. So, next, the next article. Scientists have created programmable, shape-shifting liquid metal. Is this right out of Terminator or what? All right, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. They don't have, it was the T-1000, the T-2000, whatever it was. It, we're not at that level yet. This is from the sciencenewsreporter.com. Um, but basically, researchers at the University of Sussex and Swansea University have applied electrical charges to manipulate liquid metal into 2D shapes, such as letters and a heart. The team says the findings represent an extremely promising new class of materials that can be programmed to seamlessly change shape. This opens up new possibilities in, quote, soft robotics and shape-changing displays, the researchers say. Again, I'm going to share this. I'm going to talk about it for a minute. Again, this isn't the Terminator that's coming out, but this... This is a major step towards that happening. Now, loosely connecting some dots as you want to do some research and put some papers together out there, I think it's important to look at. You know, you've got this nanotech that's that's out there that's coming online. You've got these. I remember I covered a story a couple of years ago about these micro swarm drones that the military released. How they're able to repair themselves. Now, you combine nanotech, you combine this liquid metal technology. And this ability for machine learning, the writing's on the wall as to where it's going. I know I'm going to a doom and gloom spot, but when you start militarizing this stuff and weaponizing this stuff, it's not hard to imagine what this liquid metal technology can do, can be used for. Now, I also want to put a caveat on there. I don't know if caveat's the right word. Let's, let's talk about the opposite for a minute in that this stuff can be used for good as well. And I think we have some serious choices to make in how we're going to use this. Now, we know there are people out there, there are 
factions out there that are, will take this and use it for something bad. But can we allow the good to outweigh the bad? Is there a possibility for a beautiful, bright future? I think that there is. We can have some form of a symbiotic relationship with technology as long as we're remaining in control of that kill switch, as long as we're remaining in control of our own consciousness. But that is the challenge, my friends, isn't it? All right, moving on to the uh, the next article. I just came across this one today. Uh, I haven't vetted it fully yet, but I want to share it. It's from HealingTheBody.com. Evidence is undeniable. Smart meters cause massive changes to the heart. Uh, Ethan Huff, an expert in smart meter microwave transmission power, has published new research showing that contrary to the official government narrative, the radiation emitted from smart meters directly interferes with normal heart function. To come to this conclusion, Warren Woodward connected himself to an EKG monitor while lying near an Elster smart meter, which was connected to high-frequency analyzer that measures microwave frequencies. Uh, as it alternated between normal readings of 00.1 and 00.2, a monitor display showed that Woodward's heart patterns were normal and symmetrical. But during times when it spiked to 139.3, this being the time when the smart meter initiated data transmissions, Woodward's EKG pattern changed dramatically in response. In other words, when the meter, when the smart meter was not sending high amounts of power, Woodward's EKG readings were normal and natural. But when it kicked into high output mode, the changes were massive. This has a link to this new research. I haven't reviewed it yet, um, but it's something for us to think about. You know, this is a good starting point. I know I've done a show in the past on this and shared lots of links and data as well. Um, that are well worth our attention. I have a smart meter against my will installed on my home. It's far enough away on the house from, I think, where we sleep. But again, we got to find out what's the radius of transmission on these meters? How far can it penetrate through walls and drywall and all that stuff? Um, and what technology can we put in place to counteract these signals? 5G coming online comes to mind as well. Um, you know, obviously, all this stuff is going to be interacting. And the fact that this interferes with the heart, the, the, Connection I'm making, again, the heart math stuff, the energetic heart, that is our emotional regulation center. That's where our electromagnetic signal comes out for our connection to this universe, our psychic connection, not talking uh, undocumented stuff. I'm talking good research here. Uh, our ability to elect electromagnetically read and measure and transmit and receive data comes through our heart. Now we have another electromagnetic signal that's out there that's interfering with that capability. It's something we need to be mindful of. We need to be brainstorming solutions. Again, is there a counter signal that can be put out? Is there a, a, a piece of hardware that we can install? I know they sell them out there. I haven't done my homework on them yet. Um, but these are things, solutions we need to be thinking about. Um, but this is, this is the real deal, it sounds like, my friends. We need to be mindful of what's going on out there. Uh, okay, this one's really fascinating. Um, I'm, I'm just going to touch on it and then freestyle a little bit. I pulled a Huffington Post article, but there's a bunch of different articles about it out there. Mysterious repeating radio signal detected in deep space for only the second time. Little is known about these extremely rare radio bursts, including where they come from. Okay, basically, when you have a signal that is repeating coming from space, the, um, the belief is that it's most likely, or they believe it's coming from uh, an alien intelligence out there in the universe. The last time this came out, I want to say 1976, I don't remember when, but it's known as the wow signal. You can Google the wow signal, and it was a repeatable signal. Uh, again, it denotes intelligence out there in the universe. Now, 
Secure Team did a piece on this, uh, exploring this and, and, and talking about this as well. It lends promise. Now, we need to be mindful, however, just because we're not receiving a ton of repeating radio signals doesn't mean there's not intelligent life out there. Chances are an advanced civilization will not be using radio broadcast at this point. Um, I, you know, I think we need to recognize as well, remote viewers are receiving signals all the time. It's not radio signals. It's psychic, telepathic data that's out there. But this is, this is exciting to look at as we move towards uh, the disclosure events that have been happening since late 2017. That'll be linked as well in the show notes. Uh, where are we here? Here we go. Uh, this one's from Popular Mechanics, but the story broke not too long ago. Ray Davis talked to me, uh, sent me some information about this as well. Um, Secure Team does a great job of, I'm going to flat out say, debunking this story here. If you remember a while back, there were these attacks on embassy workers. They were subsonic or ELF, extremely low frequency, causing brain damage, hearing loss, blindness, confusion on all these workers affiliated with the embassy. Nobody knew what it was. They were saying it was a foreign adversary. Um, MK Ultra comes to mind. If you study, if you look into the now declassified MK Ultra program, there are these weapons that can be used to have to cause all sorts of these symptoms in people. Um, we're now coming out with a possible explanation. So this, this article from Popular Mechanics, were the Cuban embassy sonic attacks actually just crickets? So what they're coming out with saying is these attacks actually were not attacks at all. They were crickets. The secret weapon that caused illnesses and brain damage to the U.S. diplomats may have been neither secret nor a weapon, but just loud insects. In late 2017, a number of diplomats... And related personnel working at the embassy in Cuba suffered a series of bizarre health problems, including concussions and brain damage. No one knew what the problem was, and after more than a year of investigations, officials were no closer to an answer. But now a group of researchers may have found the culprit, uh, Angranulus, I'm not saying this right, Celerinticus, otherwise known as, as the Indies short-tailed cricket. From the very beginning, officials identified the cause of the diplomats' distress was related to some sort of sound they have been hearing. In March, the Associated Press released a recording of the sound. At the time, experts speculated that it could be some sort of sonic interference produced by a particular arrangement of electronic devices. The truth is likely to be much simpler. Two researchers, Alexander Stubbs from the University of California, Berkeley, and Fernando uh, Montalegre Z from the University of Lincoln in England, hear that AP recording and immediately suspect it was from some type of insect. They downloaded the recording and analyzed it, its acoustic patterns, properties like frequency, duration, and signal, and power spectrum, and found it was an exact match to the noise made by the India's short-tailed cricket. All right, so there you have it, my friends. People are having brain damage from these crickets. Now, Secure Team, I'm not going to steal their thunder, but you need to go watch his breakdown, debunking this, calling it bullshit right off the bat, uh, and, and I'm with him on there on this. Um, you know, and, and what really puts it over the edge is he says, what are the chances of this cricket being in affecting people in different countries throughout the world, all connected to embassies or somehow government officials? If it was just random injuries that we were seeing throughout the world that had nothing to do with people in this line of work, maybe you're onto something. But 
it's just too target specific to, to buy this load of crap, basically, is what he's saying. So look into that uh, as well. There's more going on here. Um, you know, there's more than, than meets the eye with that. So let's just leave it at that. All right, I want to move on to uh, something positive. I was talking with Ray today about Six Sense Media, the future of Six Sense Media. We're investing a lot into this. Um, and Ray's working hard with the affirmation spot. And you see a lot of the affirmation stuff that Ray works on percolating through over to Six Sense Media. Uh, and he's been doing, through Six Sense Media, 365 days to a better you. I'm going to share some of what he put as day 11. Thought of the day. Have the weeds mentality. Grow under any circumstances. That's a quote from Ray Davis. And uh, he has here some practical things. Let me, let me just read what Ray has here. Uh, I just want to take a moment to say thank you for reading these messages each day. It's my highest desire that you'll take something valuable each day from, from them and that if they help you, you'll share them with your friends. Today's life hack is be resilient. Okay, all the gurus are saying we need to be more resilient, but how do you do it? Here are practical things you can do to be more resilient. I want to pause here for a minute. And this is why I'm proud to be a part of this platform and working with Ray. We were talking today, we cover some heavy things. We cover stuff about UFO disclosure and abductions and government conspiracies and the oppression of the people and the archons and psychic warfare and possibly living on a farm in this matrix reality being used as, as loose and a source of nourishment to produce human suffering. I mean, that's some heavy stuff that we talk about. AI becoming self-aware and taking over the planet and wiping out humanity. I mean, some really, really heavy stuff. But that's not... Our objective is just to put this information out there to scare you. Our goal is sincerely to empower our leaders, our listeners, our friends out there. We want to empower you. Knowledge is power. We want you to be aware of this stuff, but we also want to give you tools that you can use to better your life. And I'm going to talk about my experience tonight, uh, you know, just in a minute, on things that have, what has empowered me in my own life over the last couple of weeks and one of the tools that we have is Ray and his affirmations. And I'm going to share some of this. So I'm back to Ray's article here at Six Sense Media. Some practical things you can do to be more resilient, to handle the stress of everyday life and the hardships that come our ways. So the first one Ray has is opinions. Have you noticed? Everyone has one, especially when it comes to you and your dreams. Wayne Dyer used to say, free yourself from the, from the good opinion of others. Rachel Hollis reminds her audience that the people with all those opinions won't be around to live the life you don't have because you let their opinions stop you. Get over other people's opinions. You know, this is great advice here. I, I look at when I was teaching my students, whenever someone would do something good, the other students would work so hard to bring them down sometimes. And I'd say, why don't you just celebrate your friend's successes? Find or hold on to your opinions, even if it embarrasses you. I talked about this last week. I talk about this in the article that I just put out with Six Sense Media as well. I used to be ashamed of some of my opinions and my feelings, and it's held me back, and it's kept me in what I feel is a prison in my life. And uh, no more. I'm, I'm not going to be ashamed of my opinions. I'm not going to be ashamed of the opinions of others that they may have of me, because that is a, is a prison. It falls into that fear mindset. So I'm going to read a couple more of, of Ray's, uh, I'm not going to read everything here, but I'm going to read two more of, uh, of Ray's 
suggestions here. The next one, make lemonade. It's old advice, but sagely advice. The results are in. Life is not always going to go your way. Things change, people change. Bad things even happen to good people. Life will hand you the proverbial lemons. When that happens, make some lemonade from them. The alternative is to let the taste of those lemons sour your life. That's not who you are. And he's absolutely right. And I say all the time, my favorite saying, we can swim against this current of life or we can learn to surf. It's our choice. We can't control everything that happens, but we can control our reactions to it. Great advice there. Uh, the last one I'm going to read here on, on Ray's list of seven. I'm on number three, higher purpose. These moments can take you down for the count are the biggest reason you need a bigger life's mission, a definite purpose. As we discussed a few days ago, without it, all the bumps in the road will soon leave you in the ditch of life. With it, they seem like small speed bumps on the road to your nirvana. Stay focused on your big picture. Ray's absolutely right. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine right after my dad died years ago. And what I was realizing was that, and let me tell you, I, and I'm not, I'm not complaining, I promise, but I, I've seen my fair share of hardship and trauma. I'm starting to realize that right now. But each hardship has brought me some of my greatest lessons in life. And I'm at a point where it's like, I don't want to learn any more lessons. I really don't. But I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have the knowledge I have. I wouldn't have the experience I have, the wisdom I have. I wouldn't be the man that I am today if I didn't experience those hardships you know, a lot of them were, were really hard and, and a very high price to pay. And I look at things like the death of my father. I would not be doing my, this show if my father didn't die in the horrible way that he died. So I honor his legacy every time I do this show and, and hope that this information empowers all of you out there in some way, shape, or form. My higher purpose, instead of just dwelling on the fact that my father's dead uh, and he died a terrible way, I'm looking at what I learned from that and how that has empowered me. And I honor his legacy and his memory in doing so and hope that I can coach other people through that trauma in their own lives to find empowerment and significance while they go through that. So you can find the rest of Ray's article at sixcentsmedia.net. It'll be in my show notes for the Secret, News, uh, Secret Podcast, uh, and it'll also be in the Secret Newsletter as well. Um, just, a, just a great read. Uh, again, Check us out, Six Sense Media. What can I say? Ray is constantly putting out this positive, uplifting stuff. We have a choice to make, you know. And I've been running on this theme, I guess, for about past month and a half to two months. We need to sometimes unplug and get that dose of positivity as well. Not to stick your heads in the sand and say love and light, everything's good. When it's not, we need to identify the problems that we see out there. We also need to take some time to recharge with that positive stuff to give us the strength, the tools we need, the shielding we need to face that negative stuff that's out there in everyday life as well. That's growth. That's progress to make the world better. We need to find this positive as well. So Ray and I are really trying to bring you guys that content that's out there, uh, that positive content, that uplifting content. Okay, let me get into the bulk of what I wanted to talk about uh, on, on this week's show. I put an article up um, just yesterday, uh, and the article is, you know, it was an, it was an impulse writing. It was one of those where I was getting ready to do, I had some work to do, and there were some clients I had to reach out to, and I just got it in my head. I have to talk about this. So the article I wrote is called PTSD, My Shame and Regret. And I, it was really just a, an open confession that I'll share for all of you to read. Um, 
I got I got CBD oil for Christmas, and um, it came at the perfect time. My wife gave it to me. It came at the perfect time in my life because probably about a year ago I would have said, "Nope, I don't need any drugs. I can deal with this myself." I was I had this narrative in my head. I'm anti taking any substance because I need to control it myself. I didn't want to, I don't know if I felt like I was weak for doing it or if I felt like, well, I guess part of my fear uh, was, well, if if the world ends or if society falls apart, I need to have the tools to cope with these challenges I have in life. So I'm going to learn to deal with it on my own. It was one of the, the stupid narratives I had in my head. Um, and the other one is just a pride and ego thing. Uh, you know, I can handle this myself. I don't need a drug or, or I don't need a, a substance, whatever. I don't need plant medicine. It's, we, we, we have to stop and ask ourselves, what narratives are holding us back? What narratives do we need to change? What rules do we have that we need to change in our own life? Because I, just, I got desperate, you know, to the point where it's like, I'll try anything. Uh, and I never voiced that. My wife just bought it for me because she thought she re- did a lot of research and, and uh, she thought it would help me. Now, there's so many different strains out there with cannabis uh, oils and you can, you can take it uh, in the vape form. You can you know, smoke it as, as vape. There's um, tinctures, which is you know, the oil that you take in a dropper under your tongue, sublingual. There's creams that they have. Depending on what your ailment is, it's dealing with pain, it's dealing with stress and anxiety, uh, you know, seizures. I mean, there's so many different things out there that, that this is being shown to treat right now. There's not a lot of solid research out there yet because it's been illegal for so long. But now that it's legal, um, you know, I'm not going to get arrested for having it, which is why I can talk about it on the air. I'd, I'd say it's, it's, it's worth a try. You know, obviously consult with your medical professional. That's my, my caveat there on this. Um, but what a difference it's made in my life. I have to say, you know, it took me a, a couple couple weeks to get the dosing right. I think I've got it now, but uh, after I started taking it, I, I was out. I went out with my family. I had to go get new glasses. And I took, you know, my wife and my kids and I went out one morning. And let me tell you, when I go out with shopping with my wife and my kids, it's usually a very stressful experience. Before I leave my home, I got to think, all right, what could go wrong? How bad can things get? What do I have to prepare for? And then I got my kids and wherever we are, and they want to, you know, they're six, four, and one and a half. It's like, all right, they want to get into stuff. They want to touch things. And it usually just stresses me out. And I'm always worried. Are they going to fall? Are they going to get hurt? Are they going to get kidnapped? Like all this stuff just goes through my head, this crazy stuff. So I become miserable. I could become agitated because I'm so worried about everything I know that can go that can possibly go wrong. When I'm out, I start looking at everybody around me and I start thinking, okay, is this person a threat? Are they carrying a gun? Are they going to rob the place? What am I going to do? Where are we going to hide? Where's cover and concealment? Where's backup going to be coming from? Is there an exit that I can get out through the rear? Where can we hide? Uh, you know, I'm looking at the ceilings. Can we go up in the ceilings? Is there emergency exits? Are the staff armed? Is there bulletproof glass here? You know, like, I'm sorry, I'm sounding insane, right? This is what goes through my head whenever I walk out the door. And two weeks ago, I went out with my family. Man, I feel like I sounded insane just there. Sorry, guys. But I'm trying to give you a glimpse here. I went out a couple weeks ago, and I was getting glasses while my kids were walking around the store and looking at stuff, and I enjoyed it. Like, I enjoyed being out. And I realized, like, oh, my gosh. 
I haven't felt this freedom. I, I can't I can't remember the la- I, I separated from the military in 2004 was when, when I was when I really started to act screwed up in the head, and I separated from the police department in in 2008 when things got really bad. But didn't I didn't realize I had a problem. So I was out there with my kids, and I, I just wanted to hug them, and they're exploring things that I normally like. Don't touch that. Don't do that. And I'm just letting them be kids. And I just had this moment of thankfulness, and I felt like my head was above the clouds. You know that scene in The Matrix when they fly up. You know it's a, 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 the last one. They they take the ship and it goes up, up above the clouds, and they see the real blue sky. And Trinity just takes this deep breath, like oh, it's beautiful. That's how I felt about life. I felt like a, a, you know, I recently saw a video of people who were colorblind. They were given glasses that allowed them to see color and they're crying. And I'm like, I feel like I could see color for the first time. I, I felt for the first time in a long time when it's like to be without anxiety. I didn't realize. That's what it hit me so bad. I, I didn't realize how limiting my anxiety was. And it kind of makes you wonder, like, Who are we really? It's coming back to that question I asked at the beginning. Who are we? What what controls are in place, whether it be intelligent design or trauma or, or, you know, electronic warfare or substances? It's so easy for us to be manipulated. I just, I didn't realize how crippling it was. And I feel like I've gotten the potential to have so much of my life back that I lost. I've I've missed, I've missed vacations. I've lost contact with friends. I've missed events and going out. I've ruined relationships in my life. You know, I want to read something from my book's uh, service. This is the first book I wrote. uh, Service: A Soldier's Journey: Counterintelligence, Law Enforcement, and the Violence of Urban Education. There's a chapter called Assimilation. Uh, and I'm just going to share it. And it's, it's about right when I came home from my deployment to Bosnia. So assimilation. Uh, and I have a quote at the beginning from Robert Heinlein, who wrote Starship Troopers. And this always resonated with me. This is Robert Heinlein's quote here. I had no more than stepped out of the shuttle my first pass than I realized in part that I had changed. Johnny didn't fit in any longer. Civilian life, I mean. It all seemed amazingly complex and unbelievably untidy. I remember reading this when I got right out of boot camp and going, yes, and, and was proud of that. Yes, civilian life, I don't fit in anymore. And it became a badge of honor for me that I didn't fit in. And I got sucked into that military mindset. So let me share this here. It's amazing how the deepest feelings of love can produce the harshest feelings of pain. Ashley waited for me, supported me, and loved me. Because of her strength during my deployment, I felt indebted to my fiance forever. I was fiercely loyal and prepared to endure whatever came my way for her. After waiting and worrying and accepting my ring, after all those long and lonely nights, I had finally returned to her. We were supposed to begin planning our wedding, but I realized I wasn't ready. I needed a job first, and my sights were set on the FBI. It had been my dream since I was 16, and I wanted to get hired before we set a wedding date. She waited for me, and I asked her to keep waiting. We moved into a one-bedroom apartment in Brookhaven, Pennsylvania. She took on a job cleaning houses and I worked a loss prevention job waiting patiently for the FBI to call. We'd occasionally discuss our wedding, but I would continually put it off because I never knew when the Bureau was going to call. I didn't want to risk setting a date and then have to cancel our wedding because I'd be in training. 
so she continued to wait for me as she cleaned those houses each morning. As most people in their early 20s do, she wanted to go out from time to time. She asked to go, she asked to, go to the circus, and I told her it was too dangerous. I tried to explain to her how easy it was for, a Muj- for the Mujahideen to carry out an attack. I explained to her what a wonderful target the circus would be for them because it would kill thousands of innocent people. Because of this threat, we did not go. We tried going to a bar one night. We met up with her cousins and some of their friends. The bar was crowded. My thoughts were of bombs and terrorism. I focused on the faces and hands of everyone in the bar. People continually bumped into me, and with each nudge, my mind screamed a silent cry of terror. I found a wall and pinned my back to it. The room grew smaller, and more drunk patrons bumped into me. My heart began to race, and my eyes scanned faster. I fought every urge to scream and run out of there. As she tried to get me to dance, she approached me, looked in my eyes, and started dancing sexy in front of me. She really was beautiful, but in that moment I was incapable of noticing. She touched me and I recoiled backward away from her as if I had been stabbed. I couldn't help but to stare at her as if I was being attacked. I told her I needed to leave. I saw the disappointment seep from her soft but piercing eyes. She was not ready to leave. She wanted to dance with me. She wanted to drink. She wanted to enjoy a night at the bar with her fiancé, who had just returned home. I started to pull away from her and saw sadness, then anger in her eyes. I began to walk outside and wait in my car. She begged me to stay and dance. I explained to her that we were in an incredibly dangerous situation that a fight or something far worse was going to break out at any moment. The crowd kept closing in around me. My heart raced faster. I wanted to scream. I found the nearest exit and quickly ran outside, leaving Ashley standing on the dance floor alone. I found my car, opened the door, sat down, and locked myself inside. My heart rate slowed and my breathing relaxed. I felt as if I had more room to move in my car than I did at that bar. I wanted to go back inside. I wanted to be comfortable and dance. I wanted to make her happy. I felt an overwhelming sense of guilt, but knew that my fear of being inside was much stronger than any other emotion I could recognize in the moment. I could not go back inside. I feared that such a carelessness would get me killed. Complacency kills, and I would make no such mistake. My evening was over. I wanted her to understand, and I wanted her—I wanted to go home. I wanted to feel safe, but instead, I felt alone. That captures exactly, obviously, exactly what I went through. But as I was writing this article yesterday, <coughs> excuse me, I was thinking about my experiences, and I realized that. That mindset, that thought process, that anticipation as a soldier and as a police officer was a mindset that I needed because I was always going into dangerous situations and I had to look at what can go wrong here. I'm prepared for it. I'm not going to get killed. I'm not going to allow somebody with me to get killed because I'm ready. I will I will contemplate every possible threat before anybody else has a, a moment to act on it. And I did well. I identified those threats. I prevented attacks. I prevented people from getting violent. And it served me and it made me feel good inside. It made me feel like a hero. But when I left, when I left that lifestyle and tried to integrate with my civilian counterparts, people I cared about, and I'd start thinking that way and talking that way and getting mad at them for being so careless because my training told me Don't do this. It's dangerous. They looked at me like I was nuts. 
which only angered me, and I felt disrespected. Like, how can you not value? You know, I, I'm an American hero in my head. I'm saying to myself, I, I, I protected people. Why are you listening to me? And it isolated me. And uh, you know, my point in sharing all of this through after taking this CBD oil. I feel like I was able to step outside of myself. It's it's as if, you know, we all have that internal monologue. Well, let's talk about plant medicine for a minute. You know, I, I remember I read a lot of Carlos Castaneda who took ayahuasca, peyote, and they talk about the plant speaking to them in, in their visions and in their altered states of consciousness. And a lot of people who take ayahuasca have these they call it the purge. It's the vomiting and the diarrhea and the sweats and your body's expelling all this stuff, but you also have an emotional purge or a spiritual purge and it, it teaches you things and it shows you things. And, and cannabis is not that. But I think because I, I study the things that I study, I was able to connect with this plant medicine. I was aware of certain subtleties and for the first 48 hours I was taking it, I noticed a, a very obvious pressure in the area of my third eye, right in my forehead. And immediately when I started taking it, my normal triggers of frustration and anxiety in my home with my children, or when my wife would try to plan something with me within the first couple of days, that normal anxious voice was still there, it would whisper something. It was quieter. And another voice was in my head. Now it was still my own voice, my own internal monologue, but it was different. You know, if I if if my wife said, Hey, we're gonna go out and do this, I'd be like, oh my God, all these things could go wrong. There's this other voice in my head that was going, Really? Is all that stuff gonna go wrong? Has any of that stuff ever happened in the past ten years since you've separated? No. And it just I would say, you know what? You're right. So there was another a change in my voice after I've started doing this, that internal voice. It's, it's an amazing thing that I've been going through. And I've been thinking about this journey. And, and oh, man, I'm having a connection now. If you remember a, a few, I guess a month ago, two months ago, uh, I had Shelly back on the show. I call her the astral projection avatar. And we were going through my experience where I woke up one night and there was a, a being in my room and she was doing something to my crown chakra. And the message I got was, this will allow you to hear voices. Uh, maybe this is the voice that's allowing me to hear. But I've since gone on a purge. Um, spiritually and emotionally, and a lot of baggage has been coming up for me over the past couple of weeks. And uh, since taking CBD, it, it, it's like the floodgates have been opened. And I've seen a lot of the trauma that I've experienced in my life. And I've been dealing with it. Whereas before, I was just holding on to it and holding on to my tactics um, as a cop and as a soldier. And trying to kid myself and say, yeah, I've dealt with this. No. It's actually, I feel it's actually being released now. Um, I don't know if I'm making any sense, guys. I'm just talking here. But it's it's different. It's it's different. And I'm sharing this. I know this is a little bit different from the types of shows I normally do. But I think it's important to understand 
consciousness. Who are we? And there are things out there that impact our consciousness. And one of my goals in, in writing Food for the Archons was to understand and hopefully put an end to human suffering because there's so much of it in this world. How much of our own suffering are we, are we unaware of? Because there's a ton of suffering I've been going through that I didn't even realize. And that was having a ripple effect on people in my life. I caused pain to other people in my life. And I started to realize that over the past few weeks. And I'm starting to heal from that now. And I'm optimistic now. I feel like I can go out and enjoy my life in, in ways that I, I really haven't since I was a kid. Since before I joined the military, when I was carefree. So I'm kind of going through a purge right now. And is there... And again, I'm not comparing cannabis to something like I've never taken ayahuasca. I'm not making that comparison at all other than looking at plant medicine. And there, I believe there's an intelligence in some of these plants or look at it as it's a software program when used and applied correctly can, can interact with our own internal software. And then I started thinking... And this was made illegal. This was criminalized. I'm, I, I'm running out of time here. But I'm going to share an article. Um, it's called Why Was Marijuana Made Illegal? The History of Cannabis Prohibition. It's a starting point. I know there's a lot more out there. It goes in a lot more detail about why it was made illegal. But this plant, think about it. Think, look, just got to look at the internet now at all the people it's helping. And I'm fr I was frustrated and angry when I realized, you know, shame on the military for not preparing me for my separation. And, and I'm not a combat veteran. And I, I still deal with this anxiety from the experiences I had overseas. Because they were still tense and scary at times, but it wasn't combat. But they said nothing to me. They just literally gave me my discharge papers and sent me on my way. When I left the police department, again, nothing. Hey, you might experience some stress and anxiety. And I think the reason is because that mindset as a cop serves you. You don't want to let go of that. I struggled when I became a teacher. I don't want to let go of my cop mindset. And over time, I started to realize I have to let go of that because the only way I'm going to reach these kids is if I'm not a cop. So it was a tough balance for me trying to, 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 to still maintain my situational awareness and yet roll up my sleeves and get in there with the people I'm trying to help. You can't help them from the outside by trying to keep them. You need to go experience life. You need to experience challenges sometimes. You need to take risks. Anyway, my frustration is that, you know, things I talked earlier in the show about Denver looking to now legalize psilocybin mushrooms. Cannabis is now legal. This stuff can help. It, it, it can, it's, it's helped me. And again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not anybody other than a guy who just tried something a couple weeks ago. And I can go down a whole conspiracy thread, and th th this episode is not that, though. Um, 
I just wanted to share part of my journey. I, I invite you to read the article that I that I wrote. Um, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback, uh, and I'm thankful for that feedback. Um, I, I don't I don't know how else to explain it. It's just I'm, I feel different, and and I felt I've accessed emotions that I've I forgot how to access, and and it's it's a lovely thing. It's a beautiful thing, and I'm very thankful for it. And I never want to go back. I feel like I was in a prison that I wasn't aware of. And all this conspiracy stuff, you know, a prison for your mind. I was in my own prison. I was, As David Icke says, you become your own warden. And I was. Even though I thought my mind was free because of the show and everything I do, parts of my mind were free. But I'm wondering now, what else, what other aspects of me are still imprisoned? Whether aspects of you are locked up and imprisoned. I'm just saying, keep asking questions. Keep an open mind, my friends. Um, I, I hope I, I hope you found my little bit of my story beneficial and helpful. Um, you know, if you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with depression, you're not alone. Um, I believe there's things we can do, things we can use have limited side effects compared to what Big Pharma is going to give us that might make a difference in your life. So I, I hope, again, I hope this was beneficial to you. Um, anyway, I'm going to move on. I'm getting close to the end of the show. Uh, I do have an announcement to make. Um, the website Service of Change, which I know if you've been with me from the beginning, I was plugging that for a very long time. Uh, but that website is now coming down. Um, I'm putting all my focus into Six Sense Media. That's where the podcast platform is now as well. Uh, I have pulled all the archive shows that aren't yet up on Six Sense Media, and I will be building an archive on Six Sense Media so you can get the show notes, you can do the research and all that fun stuff as well. Um, but again, the best way to stay connected, sixcensemedia.net slash I am human. Get your free ebook, I am human, and we are not who we think we are, and you also be subscribed to the Seeker Newsletter. And uh, if you were interested in my journey from that quote I read from my book, Service of Soldier's Journey, the links for that book are at sixcentsmedia.net. I know I'm giving a plug, I'm giving a commercial here, but the reality is your purchases support this show, this platform, and what we're doing. Um, so if you're interested in the book, it's a great read. Um, Please check it out, sixcentsmedia.net. I'm exhausted, guys. It's been an emotional roller coaster for me, even tonight, just sitting here thinking about talking about this on the air. Um, but I hope it helps some of you out there who are dealing with some of this stress. We've all been through trauma in our lives, whether whether that trauma is facing an, an ET abduction or the loss of a loved one or just general anxiety um, you know, with day-to-day -day life. We all have trauma, and I think we can find ways to cope with it. And I think that uh, you know, CBD is one tool we can put in our toolkit, um, but also just reaching out and talking with somebody. You're not alone. You are absolutely not alone in dealing with those things. All right, friends. I'm out of time. I'm fried mentally, physically, emotionally. So uh, I'll be back next week. Got some great stuff coming up for 2019. Don't forget, check us out, sixcentsmedia.net. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind.
Thank you. Thank you.